106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. This administration, the Bush administration, has done nothing to control the problem that we have. Uh, we've had five million undocumented workers come over the borders uh, since George Bush took office. Uh, it has become an extraordinary problem. And the reason the American people are concerned is because they are seeing their own economic position slip away. And oftentimes, employers are exploiting these undocumented workers. They're not paying the minimum wage. They're not uh, observing worker safety laws. Uh, and so what we have to do is create a comprehensive solution to the problem. Now, I have already stated that as president, I will make sure that we finally have the kind of border security that we need. That's step number one. Step number two is to take on employers. Right now, they, an employer has more of a chance of getting hit by lightning than be prosecuted for hiring an undocumented worker. That has to change. They have to be held accountable. And when we do those things, when we do those things, I believe that we can take the undocumented workers, the illegal aliens who are here, get them out of the shadows, make sure that they are subject to a stiff penalty, make sure that they're learning English, make sure that they go to the back of the line so they're not getting an advantage over people who came here legally. And when we do that, I think that we can, instead of shedding all this heat, start shedding some light on the problem, and we can once again be a nation of laws and a nation of immigrants. That's what I intend to do as President of the United States. All right. Well, good afternoon or good morning, or if you're a tweaker in the middle of the night, good good evening to you. This is Lou Benninger, and this is No Hostages Radio, and uh, this is the 28th day of September 2019, and let's see, what else should I tell you? Um, I think that's it. So, No Hostages Radio, however you got to us, we're glad you hear, you're here. If you got through us through uh, just hearing about our podcast and hearing about the podcast called No Hostages Radio, there's also a website, nohostagesradio.com. If you want to go back and easily look at all different podcasts we've done, this is our 26th. And you could also uh, look at some articles that, that I write each week for the Territorial Dispatch, which is a weekly paper that's online at territorial.com. Uh, territorialdispatch.biz B-I-Z or, or uh, you can get a hard copy if you're around the Yuba Sutter, Nevada, Yuba Sutter County, Nevada County I think even over in Calusa County there's some papers over there uh, so if you like hard copies but on the, on, the web, on the website I like to use territorialdispatch.biz you can uh, read the paper just like it's in your hand except it's electronically so you can read all the articles on the front page flip the page or, or scroll down all the articles on the second third fourth right on through 10 or 12 pages of stuff so if you have if you want to look at the ads you can look at the ads if you're from up here so i know being a podcast people are listening from here there and everywhere so some of the things that we talk about 
uh, advertisers or I call them sponsors because uh, that's more what this is, is people believing in what we're talking about here and, and want to push those ideas. You know, everybody's going to influence somebody. And uh, my my decision some years ago was uh, some of my friends said, Lou, you need to get on the radio. So I did for a number of years. And and so uh, I if it was just me here and on this earth and I was the last one of my clan, I would just uh, I have some other important things I'm interested in. I would just work on those. And, and the last day came, I'd feel good about that. But I have some grandkids my kids are growing, but I have some grandkids I'm really concerned about that are living in, in uh, both all of them are living in California right now, but I'm concerned about them living in a country that is looking more like socialism and communism every day, and I'm not into that. Uh, when I look backwards, uh, my, my people were hard workers, and they were patriots. They fought in World War II, and I am not interested in being some passive pussy uh, uh, sitting around letting somebody take over the country and just hiding out behind my uh, little steel screen door. So uh, you can uh, email me at lou at nohostagesradio.com. I think I don't know whether I mentioned that or not. And uh, Or you can just listen and have a good time. The nice thing about podcasts, you can do it whenever you want it, however you want it, and just uh, have a good time. So uh, I wanted to talk about the guy. I don't know who this guy is, but he just went on a little rant, and I liked parts of it. Uh, it's, it's a little long to read, but I wanted to just – this. what I like about it is he kind of expressed my feelings. So he said – I love it when people call President Trump stupid. Have you heard that just constantly, right? Do you remember when he first announced, you can see this on YouTube, you can see all these compilations of these idiots that are on the on the uh, news media making really crazy comments. They've really not accomplished anything in their life but been pro professional barkers on the radio or on the TV. And uh, and they just simply repeat what they've been told. If you've ever seen a, a compilation of what they say, they almost say from from channel to channel to channel or <coughs> like CBS or NBC or whatever, <coughs> they use the same phrases. It's all choreographed and they all call President Trump stupid. Now, whether or not you like Trump to me is of no consequence. I, I haven't particularly voted for presidents that, that I thought, oh, I, I really like to have lunch with him. Uh, usually I just hope that they can do a good job, protect the country, uh, stay out of the way and not give us some kind of socialism or communism, uh, and are honest people, right? So when president Trump, I, I, you know, I've been aware as you have a president Trump or Don Trump for, for decades, if you got any years on you, he's a businessman and, uh, to, but to, to tell, uh, or to say that someone is stupid and they're leading a successful company is just uh, that borders on insanity for me uh, to call the president of a company, whether you want to say Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or any successful business person to just say they're stupid. Maybe you don't like them. That's cool. But to say they're stupid, it doesn't work. So the guy says, when people call 
Trump stupid? He said, you mean the billionaire who kicked every Democrat's ass, buried 16 career Republican politicians and continues to make fools out of once reputable news organizations? That's exactly what he's done, right? So like it or not, like the policies or not, stupid doesn't fit. You want to say, I hope he drops dead. I hate his policies. Cool. I got you. It's America. You can do that. So this guy says, you mean the guy, Trump, who won the presidency? You mean the guy with the supermodel wife? Whatever you think of of, uh, Michelle Obama or Michelle Robinson Obama, I don't know whether it's a woman or a transvestite. I don't know what. She fixed fixed himself herself up nice. But the way they've trashed the president's wife here and say, oh, she's, she's a slut, she's this, she's that. Right. And they ignore her and keep putting Michelle Obama. That is so fake and fraudulent and weird. You mean the guy he says, you mean the guy with the supermodel wife? That's the stupid guy. You mean the guy whose words alone put a massive slowdown on illegal border crossings? You mean the guy whose mere presence made the stock market smash its previous records? You mean the guy who created one million jobs in the first seven months in office? You sure you're not the stupid one? You sure you even know what it is you're resisting? You sure you you back a party that enables the decimation of every core principle of Christianity? You sure you back a party that voted 100% against the abolition of slavery? You sure you really take a politician like Maxine Waters seriously? You sure you don't see anything wrong with someone who has a 40-year career as a public servant living in a $4.5 million mansion representing a district she doesn't even live in? He says, you sure you see nothing wrong or peculiar about Hillary Clinton, a woman being involved in politics for the last 30 years, having a net worth of $240 million? How do people earn that kind of money and not ever produce anything for it? Plus, she's ugly. I mean, if she's pretty and they gave her a lot of money to model clothes, that'd be one thing. You sure you're not just basing your opinion on hatred spewed by a crooked paid for media platform? Are you sure you don't fall into that sheep category? Are you sure you even have a clue? Could you even tell me five things the Democrat Party has done to improve your day today? Prosperity as a hardworking citizen, or maybe you're not even a hardworking citizen. Maybe you're just sucking on the tit of all the other hard person, hardworking folks. Do you realize the debacle you were sending your children into once they become adults by continuing to support a political party that has done nothing for the poor except keep them poor, keep them on the plantation, give them free abortions, and a few hundred a month to keep food in the fridge? He says, I promise you a country full of illegal immigrants, Muslims who want us dead, abortions, $14 an hour jobs, and non-gender specific people who aren't going to make your country and life any more prosperous. That's the direction that good Democrats want. Rosie, Madonna, Katy Perry, and Robert De Niro are not just like you. They don't have to live through the real world day-to-day disparity of an average American. Men don't hate women. White people don't hate black people. And Don Trump is not a racist. 
Stop allowing yourself to be brainwashed by a party that has continually failed you. Be about your prosperity, your safety, your children, and an American first mindset. Dump these crooked politicians that have stunted your growth. Dump the crooked politicians that have stunted your children's growth. Toughen up, take a stand, and act like a proud American. I just read the highlights of that. The country has been castrated. I am amazed, even people I know, friends I know, that can't seem, there's a spirit of stupid on the country. They can't seem to sort out what in the world is going on, right? They just, they just seem lost. I saw this picture of this gun, and I just was fascinated by it. The, the caption read, 112 years ago in 1907, our grandparents, our great-grandparents, were, the first, were first able to buy this semi-automatic Winchester model 907, 1907. I had never seen one of these, but I, I would love to have one. I think you can still buy them, but I don't want to buy one on the grid. So he says, 112 years ago in 1907, our great-grandparents were first able to buy this semi-automatic Winchester model 1907. This is a gun they could buy from a Sears catalog and have delivered by the Postal Service. It was and is a semi-automatic, high-powered center-fire rifle with detachable, high-capacity magazine. About 400,000 of these were produced before World War II. Civilians had hundreds of thousands of these semi-automatic rifles for 40 years, while U.S. soldiers were still using the old-fashioned bolt-action rifles. You remember those in, you see in pictures of people fighting in the war, and they had these bolt-action, you remember a bolt-action gun? I, I used to shoot one. Uh, they're kind of cumbersome. And so people were using these, automatic weapons in the United States to shoot with. And we had our soldiers still using bolt action. That says something about a screwy government, right? The 1907 Winchester fired just as fast as an AR-15 and AK-47. And the bullet, a 351 Winchester, was actually larger than those fired by the more modern-looking weapons. Now, that is shocking to me. The only functional difference between the 1907 and a controversial and much feared AR-15 is the modern black plastic stock of the AR-15. To summarize, he says, the semi-auto, so-called assault rifle, is 110 years old. It isn't new in any way. The semi-auto rifle was not a weapon of war. The government made them a weapon of war for 40 years after civilians had it. In other words, the government said, oh, we love that weapon that you can get to the Sears catalog better than our old bolt action, so we're going to start using that homespun weapon that everybody used to hunt deer with or shoot rabbits or shoot shoot invaders. We're going to make that, and in, in, we're going to give that to our military people. You guys got a better better warfare back home. The semi-auto can be safely owned by citizens or civilians. The proof is that literally three generations of adults owned and used them responsibly, and no one ever even noticed. 
Want to fix the horror of mass shootings, the guy says? Fix the things that have changed for the worst in the last 15 years. Because the rifle technology in question was here long before the insanity started. I love uh, statistics and, and research on society and how it works. And uh, so I ran into these causes of death. This is, this is the daily average causes of death. Each day, thousands of people die in the United States, right? So what do you think is killing the most people? How many, how many people a day you think are dying from rifles? Because they're going to try to ban all these rifles and stuff. How many do you think? Or how about texting and driving? Get a, get a figure in mind. How about underage drinking? What do you think is killing the most people every day? Or second most? Think AIDS? I'm going to rattle them off. If you want to write them down, you can. And uh, I'll give you a second to get something to mark with, crayon or whatever. So the big killer in America is abortion. Are you shocked? People willingly killing people. You think, oh, we got to stop that. Oh, we can't. It's like our religion. It's like we have an altar where we slaughter kids. Abortion, 2,408 kids a day. Not a year. You're going to say a year? A day. Second is heart disease, 1,773 a day. Cancer, 1,641. Medical error, 685. Like gave you the wrong medication or something. Accidents, all kinds of accidents, car accidents, industrial accidents, etc. 401. Stroke, having a stroke, 401. Alzheimer's, 332. Diabetes, 228. The flu, the flu can kill you, 150. Usually it's feeble people. That would be little kids or older folks. Suicide. 128. Overdose of opioids, 115. Drunk driving, 28. Underage drinking, 11. Texting and driving, those we know about, 8. Oh, yeah, rifles, 1. 1 a day. It doesn't even say that they were intentional. Sometimes people aren't being careful and the rifle goes off as they're taking it out of the car and shoots them right in the chest because they didn't. Take the bullet out of the out of the chamber or whatever. Just a few tidbits here. I got a uh, communication from Brad Dacus, who is a great guy. We've had him speak up here a number of times. D a c u s. Brad D a c u s. Some people call him Dacus. It's but I believe it's pronounced Dacus. He used to work for Phil Graham, who was a senator out of Texas, and then. Brad was an attorney, and he started this thing called the Pacific Justice Institute, which defends the constitutional violations that people end up in conflict with. The people end up with government. Usually it's government trying to take, violate the Constitution. You'd think government would uphold the Constitution, wouldn't you? You'd think the government would go out of its way to uphold the Constitution. But people have their constitutional rights violated all the time, and there's a number of organizations in the United States that help 
folks defend themselves because the government has all our money. And it's expensive to go to court and hire attorneys. So the Pacific Justice Institute works on donations and they are. um, They defend people usually for no cost. And there's people around the country started here on the West Coast. In fact, they had a I don't know if they still have an office here in Sacramento, but. Uh, we even had, uh, when I was on the school board of Yuba County Office of Education, we invited Brad Dacus up to talk to teachers and principals about the rights of students on campus so they wouldn't violate their rights. In other words, why get in some trouble? Why don't you just obey the law? Isn't it amazing that the government creates all the laws, but they fail to even follow the law themselves? Isn't it the craziest thing? It just drives me crazy. Or it drives me crazy when the government is trying to run my life, control me, and they're supposed to be working for me. It's kind of like you employ a bunch of people and you pay them a check to work for you and they turn around and try to jerk you around. That ain't right. So I got this uh, this communication from Brad Dacus. And he said, we have a new resource regarding bring your Bible to school day. And I thought... What is Bring Your Bible to School Day? I had never heard of it. I'm just totally out of loop. I, You know, people really can bring their, according to the law, they can bring their Bible to school anytime they want it. But because there's so much controversy on creating this, the public schools, the government schools, as a Jesus-free zone, you can do anything else there. You can molest people there. You can tell kids they look like a boy, but they're a girl. Islam, Islamic people can pray, but Christians, they can't have Bible. They, they just, they can, but principals lose their minds. And they, oh, I, oh, you can't wear a pro-life t-shirt. I could wear a gay pride t-shirt, but I can't wear a pro-life t-shirt or, or a heterosexual pride, right? Straight, straight pride t-shirt. They just lose their mind. There's a spirit of stupid on the country. So when I come back, I'm going to take a little break here and uh, take a breath. And I'm going to play you at the clip. I'm going to play you five stories of media. was afraid to tell you this past week. And then we'll be right back. It's just going to happen really fast. All right? So uh, hang on. Well, it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby. Even you don't know by now And it ain't no use to sit and wonder why, baby It'll never do somehow When your rooster crows at the break of dawn Look out your window and I'll be gone You're the reason I'm traveling on But don't think twice, it's all right what the mainstream media was afraid to tell you about the news this week. This week, while the mainstream media obsessed over President Trump visiting the state of California, here are the things that happened that really matter. First, the Women's March cut ties with co-chair Linda Sarsour in the wake of Sarsour's anti-Semitic comments and history of anti-Semitic activism. But they replaced Sarsour with a woman who is even worse. Zahra Balu, the new board member they hired, compared the U.S. military to ISIS and the Nazis. She boycotted the movie Wonder Woman because the lead actress served in the IDF. 
Belou has said in the past there is no difference between Americans running away to fight with ISIS or running away to serve in the IDF. But then, after this show and others exposed the truth about Zahra Belou, the Women's March fired her following the outcry over her anti-Semitic, anti-American military comments. But did the mainstream media report on this story? No, no, they did not. The mainstream media ignored it. But rest assured, your voices made a difference. According to the Guttmacher Institute, there were 846,000 abortions in the U.S. in the year 2017. That's 34,480 kindergarten classes worth of children. Enough kids for 78,000 soccer teams. 12 NFL stadiums at full capacity. Twice the number of Americans killed in World War II. The entire population of Iceland, the Bahamas, and Grenada combined aborted. But did the mainstream media report on this? Nope. The only coverage from the mainstream media was a few articles quoting pro-abortion activists who said the drop in the number of abortions wasn't due to pro-life activism, but just due to falling birth rates. Democratic Senator and presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren refuses to admit that her Medicare for All plan will raise middle-class taxes. But make no mistake, her plan will raise your taxes. According to the Heartland Institute, between 40 and 60 million Americans will be paying more overall for health care under Warren's Medicare for All plan because their taxes will skyrocket to significantly more than the health care benefits they would receive under the plan. Specifically, Heartland estimates that a family making a combined income of $100,000 a year can expect to pay up to $20,000 more in taxes. But did the mainstream media report on this? Of course not. They won't fact check Elizabeth Warren at all. Democratic Congresswoman Ilhan Omar compared migrant detention centers at our border to African slave camps during the slave trade. Yep. Omar said the overcrowding in our migrant detention centers was the same, basically, as the belly of a slave ship. But did the mainstream media condemn Omar for this insulting, grotesque, and utterly false comparison? Did they detail why the comparison is grotesquely false? Nope. The mainstream media didn't report on this at all. The New York Times published fake news about Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, accusing him of sexual misconduct against another woman at Yale. But the woman reportedly denies any recollection of any such incident. But did the mainstream media report on that critically important fact that the woman did not make the allegation in the first place and then reportedly told her friends she doesn't remember anything of the sort ever happening? Nope. The mainstream media literally erased that fact from the report to make it seem like the accusation was credible and Kavanaugh was guilty. The mainstream media does not care to report any of that to you, so we will. And that's my final point. I'm knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. I'm knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. second segment this is me back again lou benninger and uh, i was talking about brad dacus with the pacific justice institute i'm really proud of brad he's such a great guy he's a man of integrity he's honest this is this is kind of a group that, well this is a group a legal group that protects people's rights and they remind me in some ways of the howard jarvis taxpayers association which is also a wonderful group quality people people of integrity want to uphold the Constitution of California and the United States. 
And so when you meet them, when you meet people with these groups, they're just they're just really salt of the earth type folks. So Brad's wrote a letter, sent it out to a lot of his the supporters. They, in fact, if you want to donate, you can donate to him. Pacific Justice Institute. You can do it right online. He and so he talks about this. Bring your Bible to school day, and I think it's a October. Seemed like it's October third. I think it's I think it's October third. Hold on, I got it. I got a handout. So let's see. Anyway, I'll nail it down for a second. Anyway, so he talks about it. He said, did you know? Oh, it's October 3rd. Bring your Bible to school day. B-Y-B-T-S-D. I don't know why they do this. Is coming up next week on October 3. I didn't know that. And, and Pacific Justice Institute wants to make sure that students know their rights. If you are a student, parent, grandparent, educator, pastor, youth leader, or just someone who cares about freedom, I'm into that freedom category. Help us spread the word about our BYBTSD, Bring Your Bible to School Day resource. PJI, that's Pacific Justice, has developed quite a few in-depth resources for students and parents over the years, but a youth pastor recently brought to our attention that we didn't have anything specific for BYBTSD. So they created one. Now, if you go to their website, now I don't know, I went directly to their website because I couldn't find this email, and I thought, oh, I'll just go online. And I could not, I could not find it on the website. But when I then I found the email, and then they had a link right on the email, and I just clicked the link, and boom, it just popped right up. So the cool thing is, at the heading, they now have Pacific Justice Institute now has offices in Denver, Colorado, Reno, Nevada, Sacramento, California, Salem, Oregon, San Francisco, California, Santa Ana, California, Seattle, Washington. And what he says is Bible continues to be recognized as not only a source of faith and veneration for more than a billion people worldwide, but as a single most significant piece of literature in Western civilization. Of course, it can't be in the public schools. Since the mid-20th century, the Bible's role in schools have been much debated, and legal decisions about it have been misunderstood in an effort to restore appropriate recognition. Bring Your Bible to School Day, BYBTSD, launched in 2014, occurs every October to encourage students who want to express their faith but often feel intimidated when seeking to do so at school. You know when you go to school? and you stand up for anything that the left does not like, they just shame you. You don't even want to go back. Like if you, if, if you believe uh, marriage is between a man and a woman, uh, and a guy is a guy, you got the guy plumbing, uh, that's the way you ought to be. And if you've got some feminine notions, maybe you need to deal with some of those gnarly things. Maybe you need to sort out your spiritual roots, Right. Um, so anything you spout up about, if you have different values at home than the school, the school will just smash you. This memo, he says, will briefly address students' rights relative to this event. For specific advice, students and parents should go to Pacific Justice Institute. So that's PJI.org. But when I went on PJI.org, like that way, hard, hard way, the hard way, and and just nosed around under the resources for this document, I could not find it. But it you could you could call them or you could text them, 
and uh, or email them and they could tell you. But he says legal discussion. The role of faith and the Bible specifically in shaping America is well documented. As one court observed, we are a religious people whose institutions presuppose a supreme being. That's Zorak versus Claussen. The federal courts of appeal have noted that subjects such as history, art, and literature could hardly be taught without addressing the influence of the Bible and religion. Flory versus Sioux Falls School District. And Bacham versus West High School. Even California, often thought to be a bastion of secularism, has approved of referencing the Bible and religion in schools. Cal Ed Code Section 51511.small1. 51511.small1. The rights of students individually to express their faith and participate in the BYBTS are even stronger. The Supreme Court has long emphasized in the public school context and elsewhere that there's a crucial difference between the government's endorsement of or favoritism toward religion, which is restricted, and an individual's own religious expression, which is strongly protected by the First Amendment. And you can look that up under Good News Club versus Milford uh, Century School. Milford C-E-N-T period school. I won't give you all the other codes and stuff that, but you can nose around on, on the internet. I'm sure you can stumble into that decision. He says there is some, sometimes an overreaction to the mere presence of a Bible in school. Is that a Bible in your hand? Damn it. Can't you put it in a paper sack and twist it at the top like a little pint of liquor? Is that a, he says, sometimes there's an overaction to the mere presence of a Bible. Because of the Supreme Court's decision, 1963, declaring Bible reading in school to be unconstitutional. Shut that Bible up. Don't be reading out of it. You can bring pornography to school, but you can't bring a Bible. School, <clears throat> this is under school district of Abington, TWP period versus Shemp. S-C-H-E-M-P-P. But the Supreme Court was limiting official use of the Bible as a devotional exercise, not other readings from the Bible by teachers as literature, and certainly not reading from the Bible by students on their own time. So a teacher could stand up, and maybe there's something in English literature that refers to a passage that's actually from the Bible. And like me, when I took English literature at Sacramento State College at 6000 J Street in Sacramento, and I took an English literature course, and they had all these little notations at the bottom of a section, and they have M-A-T-10 colon 20. I had no idea what that was. Why? Because I was an ignoramus. I knew how to smoke dope do drugs, drink alcohol, but I did not know anything about the Bible. And those notations at the bottom, I was embarrassingly informed, were addresses for spots in the Bible that, that the English Lit course was pulling information from. So the Supreme Court says a teacher can talk about literature from the Bible, that's in the Bible, that they think is important to know without feeling like they're forcing Jesus down my throat. Now, I have never seen 
I think Jesus was a pretty good sized guy, but forcing Jesus down somebody's throat, I, I don't, I tell people in jail this all the time, say, don't be thousand. This one guy said, hey, 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 you shouldn't be talking about this stuff. I said, I can talk about it all I want. I'm just telling you experience I had. I'm not saying you should do it. Go, go to hell if you want. Go kill yourself. Go do heroin, do, get overdosed. It's your life. You want to shorten it? Get it on, dude. I don't give a crap says, students may also join together either formally as a Bible club or informally during non-instructional time to study the Bible together. Oh, that will just put people's hair on end over there. This is Board of Education. I mean, these are, these are fights that went to the Supreme Court that schools had a cow over and lost. Board of Education versus Mergens and Good News Club. Uh, anyway, there's a bunch of them. You can just look it up. Isn't it interesting how the people that claim they're the brightest people in our country, our educators, don't know, don't know crap about what's going on with our Constitution. They have no idea what your rights are. They just have been indoctrinated in our uh, left-wing campuses, and they come to school and just say, you, well, you can't, well, gee, you can't talk, you can't say Jesus' name. Of course, they could cuss in the, the, the staff room and use Jesus' name, but you can't use Jesus' name reverently talk about jesus hey jesus did i i met jesus this weekend jesus touched my life jesus healed my dad can't say that in campus with some of these teachers oh they'll get all lathered up can't like lay that bible on your desk hey 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 put that put that away put that in your backpack don't be bringing that out like it's a hash pipe or something Brad says, I'm bringing your Bible to school day and every other school day for that matter students should be f- free 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 Man, we don't hear that free word much anymore, do we, folks? Because it ain't so free no more. You should be free, free, free to carry, display, read from, study your Bibles together to the same degree that they would be allowed to read from other books, say, at lunchtime or other non-instructional time. Fifty years ago, the Supreme Court announced in the famous Vietnam War protest case, Tinker versus versus uh, Des Moines Community Independent School District, that students do not shed their constitutional rights at the schoolhouse gates. And, of course, now with all these school shootings, because no one's allowed to carry a gun, they just all have to act like little sissies and run around in circles and hide. Uh, Now we have gates. I noticed that Mary Kovalod, it's got serious gates now. Every year it gets worse. So it says, this remains just as true today. In fact, some states like California have created even greater rights for students by statute than what the Supreme Court has said is protected by the Constitution. Cal Ed Code Section 48907. So if you're listening and you're a California educator, this claims, according to Brad Dacus, that there is a Cal Ed Code section 48907 that protects the rights of students to pack a Bible, read the Bible, discuss the Bible in their own time at school, and also for teachers to bring up uh, the Bible as a source of literature or history in the classroom. So October 3, uh, is it October 3? I think it is. I keep losing it on the page here. I can't see clearly today. That is bring your Bible to school day. 
So, um, since I talked about that, I also want to say that, uh, hold on, I need to double check this date. Yes, I got it. So that's October 3. That's a Thursday. No, that's, I'm looking at September. Hold on, let me get to the right deal. October 3, yep, still a Thursday. They kept, they kept the same deal for two months in a row. How can that happen? But there's another date on October 6. I was sitting in church this weekend. Or maybe it was last weekend. No, it was Saturday night. And um, they advertised the fact that we're going to have the life chain this year on October 6th in uh, Yuba City in Marysville. And what that is, we started it actually. A guy named Royce Dunn came up with the idea. And he was a former English teacher at Marysville High School. And then he was the head of the English department. And then he told me one day that he quit when he, it was the whole school system was going so screwy. And he said some of the kids were more sh sharper, were sharper than the, some of the teachers he was seeing come and teach down the, in the 1970s. So he just walked away from teaching, got into real estate. But Royce, uh, about 1987, 88, something like that, started a thing called the Life Chain that has gone internationally. And each, year about this time of year there's about 900 of these events called the life chain uh with over, probably millions of people involved in them and they're very simple events they're either an hour to an hour and a half and they just uh decide a street that they're going to stand along peaceably they're not going to leave a mess like all these liberals they're not going to leave a mess they're not going to dis disrupt traffic they're not going to scream or uh, cuss at people they're just going to stand solemnly along the side of the road uh, holding <clears throat> uh, a readable but smallish sign it started out saying only abortion kills children now they've added some other optional slogans called uh, uh, adoption the loving option or something like that but they have a number of, of slogans now but the one prevalent one was abortion kills children and people stand there for an hour, hour and a half, um, stand a few feet apart. And in Yuba City, we start out about Highway 99 at 20 and go 20 east up to the bridge that goes over to Yuba City. And then we get in Yuba City, it's 10th Street and around E, e and 10th. Uh, people stand along there just as demonstration that, that kids are loved, no matter whether they're born yet or on their way to being born. And uh, so if you're interested in that, it starts at 2 o'clock on the 6th of October. And it lasts till 2.30, 2 o'clock till 3.30, 2 to 3.30. And um, churches, well, I was going to say churches have signs, but some churches are screwed up. So they can't figure out. They would rather fill their church than stand up for pro-life. They'd rather have a dead baby and have a tithing parishioner. So they don't participate. So let me just say it this way. If you want to participate and you're looking for a sign, I'm not quite sure whether if you don't, if your church doesn't distribute signs, I'll tell you, you can get a, a sign at Church of Glad Tidings in Yuba City. And I gave you the phone number and the address, 530-671-3160, 530-671-3160. Or Google it. 
and they're located at the corner of Highway 99 and Eager Road, and you could pop in there, <clears throat> just call them out there, and then say, hey, I need one of those signs. And uh, they'll give you one. Now, we at Church of Glad Tidings, where I attend, for since 1987, we've been, we encourage the whole congregation to go out and we hand out signs during the service. And then we return the signs to the church and we reuse them next year, turn them into the, uh, the group that sponsors this event. So for all these years, we've been doing that and we stand up. So if you want to get involved in that, that would be a good thing for you to do. If you're a pro-life now, if you're not pro-life, you know, you can just take a pass on this. No, no pressure. But if you are pro-life, uh, you need to do something about it. Maybe uh, you, you, you're not going to be able to, maybe you're not well and you can't stand up for an hour and a half. Maybe you should get involved with the, uh, a woman's friend crisis pregnancy center over at live Oak Boulevard and donate your time over there. There's a lot of places to donate your time, make a difference. There's also an uh, other announcement this weekend where there's 40 days of life where people are fasting and praying for 40 days and they're standing in front of the Palora Avenue Planned Parenthood Clinic where they're aborting kids. And every year they have a bunch of kids that they save. They save the life of a child. Isn't that amazing? Now, if you jumped in that funky old swamp called Ellis Lake and you pulled a kid out of there that fell in there, you'd be considered a hero. One for even jumping in that lake and surviving. Number two, that you pulled a kid out of there alive. You'd say, you'd be on the front page of the paper. Susie the hero. And you'd have slime all over your face. But you, but if you, they don't put on the front page of the paper the fact that somebody uh, persuaded a young woman not to kill her child. But that happens in Yuba City every time we do 40 days of life. So uh, you could call a woman's friend. I don't have the number right offhand. Just Google it, a woman's friend in Yuba City, and call them about how to get involved in 40 days of life, and they will hook you up with people, somebody like J.C. Carpenter, who's, who came and spoke at the church Saturday night, was all fired up about how many kids that they're saving. You know, it's interesting to me. We we worry so much, I'm going to save a little, oh, you know, you're you're cooking or you're doing something in the house. Oh, well, that's, that's recyclable. Oh, my God. You know, don't throw that in there. That goes over there. It's, we're so concerned about saving an aluminum can. More concerned about that than saving a baby. Isn't that interesting? Oh, that's a plastic bag. Let's reuse it. We don't want, or, or that straw, that's going to end up in a porpoise's nose. Just ridiculous. We have totally lost our mind in this country. We need Jesus to come back and, like, help us here. We just, ah, crazy people. So anyway, uh, I'm giving you some good information if you're paying attention. Now, if you're out there in Missouri or Texas or whether you might nose around and see if there's a life chain. Just Google life chain. And I'm sure down in Texas somewhere, but lots of people just choose to hide their face. People, and we are so critical of the Germans. I, I have I, my my dad's parents came from Germany before the Nazis in the 1800s, by the way. I know that if you just came through school, you wouldn't know the difference because you didn't get taught properly. But but before the Nazis in the 1800s, some German folks came to called Benningers, my last name, came to the United States. And then when they heard about you could strike it rich in Yuba County, they came over to Yuba County to think 
they thought maybe it was before the lottery and the casino out here in 40 mile road. So they thought, Hey, we're going to hit the big one. And, uh, they're going to hit the big one. And, uh, so they moved out here and they've been here ever since we've never made it rich, but we've had a good life. So anyway, uh, I'm going to take a break here for a second and I'm going to come back and we're going to get it on here for another, uh, four sessions. I'm going to play you a clip, uh, by Chris Ann Hall, who is a lovely lady who's an expert in the Constitution. Okay, we'll be right back. Well, it's not always raining. There'll be days like this. When there's no one complaining, there'll be days like this. When everything falls into place, like the flick of a switch. Oh, my mama told me there'll be days like this. Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution is known as the Supremacy Clause. This clause in our Constitution is often misquoted, misapplied, and misinterpreted. Those who support an overgrown and supreme federal power like to use this clause to beat the states into a powerless submission to every assertion of federal authority. Is that really what the designers of our Constitution meant when they placed this clause into the Constitution? The Supremacy Clause reads, This Constitution and the laws of the United States, which shall be made in pursuance thereof, and all treaties made, or which shall be made under the authority of the United States, shall be the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state shall be bound thereby, anything in the Constitution or laws of the state to the contrary notwithstanding. A plain reading of this text tells us several things. Number one, the Constitution shall be the supreme law of the land. Two, the laws of the United States which shall be made in pursuance to the Constitution are the supreme law of the land. Three, treaties made under the authority of the United States shall be the supreme law of the land. You see, the Constitution through this clause has been established as the highest standard of law regarding the federal government. The laws of the United States are below the Constitution. Treaties of the United States must be made under the authority of the Constitution. As far as the federal government is concerned, there is nothing higher than the Constitution. Alexander Hamilton explains the underlying principle of this clause in Federalist 78. He says there is no position which depends on clearer principles than that every act of delegated authority contrary to the tenor of the commission under which it is exercised is void. No legislative act, he says, therefore contrary to the Constitution can be valid. James Madison explains in Federalist 45 that the powers delegated by the proposed Constitution to the federal government are few and defined and those powers are to be principally exercised upon foreign affairs, such as war, peace, negotiation, and foreign commerce. According to Hamilton, when the federal government exercises powers that have not been delegated through the Constitution, the acts performed through that unauthorized power are null and void. What that means is, 
If Congress passes a law and that law is not made consistent with the powers delegated by the Constitution, then that law is completely invalid. Thomas Jefferson reasserts the con this concept in the Kentucky Resolution of 1798. He says, wherever the general government assumes undelegated powers, its acts are unauthoritative, void, and of no force. The Supremacy Clause codifies this very principle that any law made by Congress that is not made in pursuance to the Constitution is no law at all. A law made by Congress that is not made pursuant to the Constitution is not authorized by any expressly delegated power. It is not the supreme law of the land, and the judges in every state are not bound by it. The Supremacy Clause does not make every law of Congress, every act of Congress, every federal regulation, or every Supreme Court opinion superior to state laws and state constitution. It's the exact opposite. The states agreed amongst one another to be bound by their mutual compact, the Constitution, not to subject themselves to every whim of their creation. The Supremacy Clause, in fact, puts the federal government on notice that their every act is limited by the power delegated through the Constitution. The Supremacy Clause is not a limit of state authority. It is not a statement of supremacy of the federal government over the power of the states. The Supremacy Clause tells those in the federal government that their power is limited by the Constitution and that the states do not have to submit to every imposed authority of the federal government that is not made consistent with the powers delegated by the Constitution, which the states themselves created. So darling, darling, stand by me Oh, stand by me Oh, stand Stand by me Stand by me If the sky that we look upon All right, all right, all right. This is Lou Benninger again and... and uh, we're moving on here. I wanted to mention and, and thank uh, Monty Hecker out at Elite Universal Security, who's got one of the top, if not the premier, uh, maybe the biggest security company up here in uh, the Yuba Sutter area, Yuba Sutter counties, if you're not familiar with Northern California. He's got Elite Universal Security. You can reach them if you're looking for a job or a job. Or if you're looking for some help keeping your stuff your stuff or keeping your things your things, you can call them at 530-749-0280, 530-749-0280. You could also check their website, api-academy.com. That's where you can find out about all their schooling. They'll train you to be a security guard. You can even use that training to go on up and join the academy to be a police officer if you care to do that but they could get you started at a young age and they also have a website at eliteuniversalsecurity.com they do a great job in this area but they're also located in butte county shasta county up in just southern oregon they're also down in sacramento area so if you're hearing this and you're thinking oh i'm not in yubesetter but but also butte 
all, all over, Lathrop, California, Sacramento, California. They're looking for guards. They're looking for some help, good people. They just want an honest person. You can pack, pass a background check, and uh, they'll train you. And uh, But I also want to thank Monty because he is coordinating the recall of Gavin Newsom and uh, up in this area. And he's got signs, and he's got petitions at his office at 5548 Feather River Boulevard. And and uh, well, we call Linda here, but they now the zip code is considered Oliver's, but it's just south of Marysville, 5548 Feather River Boulevard. You can go there almost 24 hours a day, basically. There's dispatchers there. And you could sign petitions there to get a recall on the ballot, recalling Gavin Newsom, the governor. And, uh, and you could also take some petitions, and you could get them filled out and turn them in yourself. And uh, I'll talk a little bit more about that later. But uh, I want to thank Elite Universal Security. They've been sponsoring us. We're in our second year now. With They've helped us to be on the air. Otherwise, we wouldn't be on the air because it costs some money to be on the air. Uh, just all kinds of fees with the Internet and all that kind of stuff. Podcast, Internet, equipment, technology, you know, all that stuff. It's not huge, but it, it they help. So we have a couple others I'll talk about in a minute, but we'll leave it with that at the, at the moment, okay? So um, I want to also mention, you just listened to that Chris Ann Hall clip. So you can, you can learn about the Constitution as she was talking from. She used to work for the federal, the state of Florida as a, as a state attorney. And then they kind of had a parting of the ways because she really believed in the Constitution and and the Tea Party, and they didn't like somebody. They were liberal down there, so she left. And now she teaches common folk like me about the Constitution. So you can reach her at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E, Hall, H-A-L-L.com, chrisannhall, one word, dot com. Or you can go to the American View and tap into the Macaulay family, theamericanview.com, um, and you can you can hear some clips about the Constitution or their comments on the day. In fact, we're starting to play one of those each uh, program, and and uh, from the Macaulays and his boys. He's a couple boys that help him. But you can go to his website, instituteontheconstitution.com, and learn about the Constitution as well. Or you can go to hillsdale.edu. Hillsdale College is one of the premier conservative Christian. We love the Constitution. We love the founders. We're not the, the America's not perfect, but we think we got a pretty good thing going anyway. That's Hillsdale College up in Michigan. Hillsdale.edu. All those places you can learn about the Constitution. You have no excuses. They will do a better job than any school, uh, like high school, has ever done. When I went to Marysville High School, they taught the Constitution. We had to memorize that, dude. I mean, we had to memorize the principles of it. And we had to take a test. And if you could not pass that, you could not get out of you could not get out of high school. You had to pass that civics class, or you were in deep trouble. If you wanted to plan on walking the stage, as they say, walk the stage. Uh, let's see. I wanted to read this because I totally believe it. I think most of our money that we give to foreign aid is totally a waste of time and money. And actually, it's not only a waste where governments steal the money and never gets to the people. It actually, you'll see these 
these liberal shoe companies, every shoe you buy, we, we give one to Africa, right? It totally screws people over. If you're trying to have a shoe company and you're making shoes in Africa, you're in Africa and you're making shoes in one, one of the countries of Africa, how do you think you're going to compete with a shoe that's being given free of charge from America? We're going to keep them in poverty, right? It's the same thing with welfare. You keep giving people welfare when there's jobs out there where they actually have to exchange some sweat to earn money. You'll never get them to go to work. It's the same way in, in Africa when you're giving free shoes away. How do you think the dude over there busting his butt trying to be a shoe company is going to compete? It's totally crazy what we're doing in these countries. We're ruining we're doing the same old socialist crap that, that we've been doing around here for years of paying people to sit on their butts. So this gal was in the Peace Corps named Karen McQuillan. She said, three weeks after college, I flew to Senegal, West Africa, to run a community center in a rural town. Life was placid with no danger except to your health. That danger was considerable because it was, in the words of the Peace Corps doctor, a fecalized environment. In plain English, shit is everywhere. People defecate on the open ground and feces is blown with the dust onto you, your clothes, your food, the water. The doctor warned us the first day of training, do not touch water. Human feces carries parasites that bore through your skin and cause organ failure, according to the doctor. Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined that a few de decades later, liberals would be pushing that lie that Western civilization is no better than a third world country or would teach two generations of our kids that loving your own culture and wanting to preserve it are racism. Last time I was in Paris, I saw a beautiful African woman have her child defecate on the sidewalk next to the Notre Dame or Dame Cathedral. The French police officer, 10 steps from her, turned his head not to watch. I have seen, I am not turning my head and pretending unpleasant things are not true. Senegal was not a hellhole. Very few people can lead happy, meaningful lives in their own culture's terms, but they are not our terms. The excrement is at least is the least of it. Our basic ideas of human relations, right and wrong, are in incompatible. As a 21-year-old starting out in the Peace Corps, I love Senegal. In fact, I was euphoric. I quickly made friends and had an adopted family. I relished the feeling of brotherhood of man. People were open, willing to share their lives, and after they knew you, their innermost thoughts. The longer I was there, the more I understood it became blindingly obvious that the Senegalese are not the same as us. Have you ever been that? Have you ever noticed that? I've been in many other countries, and you think, I don't like something about the, the way they do this, or I really like, I wish we had that in our country, in America. Anyway, she said, I realize they're not the same as us. The truths, the truths we hold to be self-evident are not evident to the Senegalese. How could they be? Their real reality is totally different from ours. You can't understand anything in Senegal using American terms. That's true of, of uh, that's called ethnocentrism. 
So they're different. There's nothing wrong with being different. And some societies are much more advanced and better than others. It doesn't mean you're a racist. It's just the way it is. That's why people fly here to have medical care, because we've been able to do things here that they haven't been able to do over there. So they come here to get their heart fixed. Take something as basic as family. Family was a few hundred people extending out to second and third cousins in Senegal. All the men in one generation were called father. Singalese, Senegalese are Muslim with up to four wives. Girls had their clitorises cut off at puberty. I witnessed this and what I thought was going to be a nice coming-of-age ceremony like a bar mitzvah or conf- confirmation. Sex, I was told, did not include kissing. Love and friendship and marriage were Western ideas. Fidelity was not a thing. Married women would have sex for a few cents to have cash for the market. What I did witness every day was the women were worked half to death. Wives raised the food and fed their own children, did the heavy labor of walking miles to gather wood for the fire, drew water from the well or public faucet, pounded grain with heavy handheld pestles, and... uh, lived in their own huts and had conjugal visits from their husbands on a rotating basis with their co-wives. Their husbands lazed in the shade of the trees. Feminists, you should love this. Why don't you go move over there? Yet family was crucial to people there in a way Americans cannot comprehend. The Ten Commandments were not disobeyed. They were unknown. The value system was the exact opposite. You were supposed to steal anything you can to give to your own relatives. There are some westernized Africans who try to rebel against the system, and they fail. We hear a lot about the kleptocratic elites of Africa. The kleptocracy extends through the whole society. My town had a medical clinic donated by international agencies. The medicine was stolen by the medical workers and sold to the local store. If you were sick and didn't have money, drop dead. That was normal. So here in the States... When we discovered that my 98-year-old father's Muslim health aide from Nigeria had stolen his clothes and, and wasn't bathing him, I wasn't surprised. It was normal. In Senegal, corruption ruled from top to bottom. Go to the post office and the clerk would name an outrageous price for a stamp. After paying the bribe, you still didn't know if it would be mailed or thrown out. That was normal. One of my most vivid memories was from the clinic. One day, as the, as the weight grew hotter in the 110-degree heat, an old woman two feet from the medical aides, who was chatting in the shade of a mango tree instead of working, collapsed to the ground. They turned their heads so as not to see her and kept talking. She lay there in the dirt. Callousness to the sick was normal in Senegal. Americans think it is universal human instinct to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It is not. It seems natural to us because we live in a Bible-based Judeo-Christian culture. We think the Protestant work ethic is universal. It is not. My town was full of young men doing nothing. They were waiting for a government job. There was no private enterprise. Private business was not illegal, just impossible, given the nightmare of third-world bureaucratic kleptocracy. It is also incompatible with Senegalese insistence on taking care of relatives. All the little stores in Senegal were owned by the Mauritanians. If a Senegalese wanted to run a little store, he'd go to another country. The reason? Your friends and relatives would ask you for free stuff, and you'd have to give it to them. End of your business. 
You are not allowed to be a selfish individual and say no to relatives. The result? Everyone has nothing. The more I worked there and visited government officials doing absolutely nothing, for more, the more I realized that no one in Senegal had the idea that a job means work. A job is something given to, a, given to you by a relative. It provides a place where you steal everything to give back to your family. I couldn't wait to get home. So why would I want to bring Africa here? Non-Westerners do not magically become Americans by arriving on the shores with a visa. For the rest of my life, I enjoyed the greatest gift of the Peace Corps. I love and treasure America more than ever. I take seriously my responsibility to defend our culture and our country and pass on the American heritage to the next generation. African problems are made worse by our aid efforts. Senegal is full of smart, capable people. They will eventually solve their own country's problems. They will do it on their own terms, not on America's terms. The solution is not to bring Africans to America. Uh, sorry, my computer skipped. We are lectured by Democrats that we must privilege third world immigration by the hundred million with chain migration. They tell us we must end America as a white Western Judeo-Christian capitalist nation to prove we are not racist. I don't need to prove a thing. Leftists want open borders because they resent whites resent Western achievements, and hate America. They want to destroy America as we know it. As Pre President Trump asked, why would we want to do that? We have the right to choose what kind of country to live in. I was happy to donate a year of my life as a young woman to help the poor Sinhalese. I'm not willing to donate my country. What do you think? 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 And then once you're finished thinking, what in the hell are you going to do about it? Nothing. Nothing. Just going to do nothing. Don't even vote. And then you vote wrong. Unbelievable. Well, um, you probably are wondering about Gavin Newsom. Maybe you aren't wondering. He won with almost 62% of the vote. Did you know that? Almost 62% of the vote. And um, somebody said to me, I, we started a recall. or we, I didn't start it. But there's a recall started as of September 6th. We got till into February, into the, uh, I think February something, early February to get enough signatures, like 1.5 million. And uh, I had even one of the people at, I go to church with. She said, well, I listed the things of, of the results of the policies uh, that are damaging California. And her comment was, well, Gavin Newsom didn't cause all those things. Well, at some point, somebody needs to take responsibility for something. For instance, you say, who is responsible for San Francisco crap app having to be created to step over so much crap? that they're now going to have typhus and cholera down there. Who's responsible for that? Well, mayors may be. And if a guy was mayor or a lady was mayor of San Francisco for eight years here in the past decade, you might say their policies could have fixed that, right? You might say their policies, San Francisco now, their housing regulations, because of they, they think they're going to cause global warming and the, the end of the world, 
houses are so scarce because nobody wants to build a house because it's too expensive to build a house. So they just live elsewhere and commute in to go to work there. Those are government regulations causing people not have place to live because they're making it. It's not that we've forgotten how to build a house or that there isn't wood or metal or nails or sinks. It's all the regulations and the rules and the nonsense that are causing the cost of housing to be prohibitive. So people don't build houses there. Only the richest of the rich. Policy? Who, who created that policy? Drug addicts everywhere. Not arresting people. Letting people out. Creating a sanctuary state. Newsom. 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 Remember, uh, you may or may not be pro-homosexual or pro-heterosexual. You know, I've never had a problem. If people want to screw a donkey, hey, go for it, dude. Right? If that's your if that's your thing, you want to you want to raise sheep and screw them instead of a woman, go for it. Or a woman wants to have a horse screwer, it's up to them, right? It's a free kind of a free country, right? They we arrest occasional person. I mean, we don't even the the, the DA in our local counties they don't even relate uh, arrest many child molesters. People going taking their Young girls into Planned Parenthood get an abortion after they have sex with them, right? 20, 30-year-old guy. Take a 14-year-old girl in there. Nobody reports it. They're all mandated reporters. We just overlook that. We pick and choose what, what, uh, what rules we're going to enforce. Very selective on, on molestation and sex crimes and stuff. And uh, so Gavin Newsom, uh, he just decided... Although the law said that marriage is between a man and a woman, right? He decided, I don't care what the Constitution says, and I don't care what the people of the state of California says. I don't agree with that, so I'm going to marry them. Do you think that's right? That's not. This is going to get really gnarly because you think, oh, well, I'm really, I just think people ought to be able to marry and have sex with whoever they want. Well, fine. Is it all right if I go in there and be mayor and I could just, make a call like maybe i'm going to shoot all the freckle faced people could i i think they're full of crap freckle faced people i mean we've done that in history hitler thought hey if you're not an aryan if you're not a white folk you're you're like a weed you're a social weed let's like eliminate you we've tried that that gets gnarly when you let people like gavin newsom just think i am the law i'm gonna do whatever i want to hell with trump to hell with the borders. I'm going to let criminals come here. I'm going to violate the law. I don't, the constitution, if I agree with the constitution, I will, I will obey the constitution. Even though he took an oath to obey the constitution, uphold the constitution, he just ignored it. Gavin Newsom's trouble. So, but most of you aren't going to do crap. You're not going to vote. You're not going to solve recall. You're just going to wait till somebody comes and takes your guns. It's amazing. I saw a deal on the Internet the other day. And, and the Democrats will say, there's no way we can go door to door and eliminate 20 million or 12 million illegal immigrants. But, but you think they're going to hesitate to go door to door and pull 150 million guns? They'll go. They'll go. They'll take the military and go. They don't have any problem with that. You can go get guns, but you can't eliminate it's just so hypocritical, right? Folks, we need to get a clue. You need to wake up. You're asleep. You need to get in front of the mirror and slap yourself. Like, 
Maybe if you don't drink, you need to knock down a jigger of a Royal Crown. Maybe you think these East Indians are drinking too much of it, but maybe maybe you need to shock your system because you have you have been lulled into stupidity. You need to wake up. The Bible says there's there's a time in 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 the earth in history when the church is going to be asleep. Their eyes are going to be open. They're still throwing down a burger and a taco. But they're totally asleep. Man, I, I was in church Saturday. It was uh, it was hip-hop happening, but I saw some people that hadn't been in my church for a long time. They go to elsewhere. But they came back for the speaker, to listen to the speaker. And I thought, their, their eyes are blinking, but they are totally asleep. They are not, they are not, uh, they are not plugged in. They look like they're sitting at the movie theater waiting for the show to begin. They're totally disconnected. They are not hip-hop happening with Jesus. They're just doing religion. I'm telling you, if you, th- if you think you're going to get by and this, this country is going to be okay, with you just like going through the routine, knocking down your cup of coffee, making your little drive through your coffee, getting your little shower, right? Going out to eat, little at the Applebee's or whatever. It ain't going to work. You're going to get your clock cleaned. You're going to end up in a really funky deal. And then a lot of them will say, well, I'm just sick of California. I'm just going to leave. Wherever you go, you that's where you are. You are part of the problem. A lot of you that are leaving are part of the problem because you never did anything here to stop what was going on here. If we had more people to stop what's going on here, we wouldn't have what's going on here. So you're going to go over to another state and just be a part of the problem. You say, oh, well, I'm a Republican. Oh. Republican, Republican, just, just a, a humbug. Republicans here can't even, they, they don't even stand for anything. I got to take a break. So I'm going to play you a clip. Uh, this is not a good look, gain some self-control. And deep down I know this never works. But you can lay with me so it doesn't hurt Oh, won't you stay with me Cause you're uh, To reduce the consumption of red meat uh, in light of the impact of, of the climate change yeah. uh, If elected, uh, are you, will you be supporting uh, change uh, in dietary guidelines? And then how will you plan on implementing the changes so that people effectively change their diets? Yeah, I mean, it's, and thank you, Carol, for your work and the question. Um, there is, I, I think of the point that you're raising in, the, in, in a broader context, which is that as a nation, we actually have to have a real priority at the highest level of government around what we eat and in terms of healthy eating because we have a problem in America. Um, and we can talk about all that we are now the subject of this conversation. We can talk about um, the amount of sugar in everything. We can talk, we can talk about soda. We could go on and on. Uh, so the answer is yes. Um, but I'll also say this. We, the, the balance that we have to strike here 
frankly, is about what government can and should do around creating incentives and then banning certain behaviors. I mean, just to be very honest with you, I love cheeseburgers from time to time, right? I mean, I, I, I just do. And, and I think that, um, and, but, there is, but there has to be also what we do in terms of creating incentives that we will eat in a healthy way, that we will encourage moderation, and that we will be educated about the effect of our eating habits on our environment. And we have to do a much better job of that, and the government has to do a much better job of that. We have, yeah. So, I mean, I'm just saying, you love cheeseburgers. I mean, we all do. I don't know I whether mean, you know, from time to try time, the I Beyond Burger, day, the Impossible yes. Burger, right? They try, but it, <laughs> right. it's not quite the same. That's my personal opinion. Um, but would but, you support changing the dietary guidelines? The, the, yes. The, you know, the food pyramid. But people yes. are like, yes. reduce red meat specifically. <laughs> yes. <I will. laughs> Girl, Bob. Y'all say about cheeseburgers? <laughs> y'all Democrats have lost your mind. We are not gonna stop eating cheeseburgers. The government can't stop me from eating a double cheeseburger. Okay, I'ma always get my double cheeseburger plain with no salt on my fries and a diet coke. Girl, y'all done lost your mind. We're going again. We're into our uh, fourth segment. One, two, one, two, three. Yeah, we're fourth. Fourth out of six. Here we go. I was talking about the uh, Governor uh, Gavin Newsom recall. I, I just hate it. I, I just hate it. You know, it's the same thing with the state of Jefferson. Oh, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Right. Uh, I don't think it's I don't think we can do it. I don't think enough people will vote. I don't think nothing. You know, it's just excuses to just don't do crap. Just, I guess, sick of it. Like, oh, I just hate it. I hate, it's like, I need to become a recluse. Just go smoke weed somewhere. Whoa. So in 2003, this is amazing. There's some similar dynamics in 2003. One was that the state of California, you know, we call it free enterprise, but it's not free because the state of California is running our businesses. It tells you when, how long you can work people, how much you have to pay people, overtime, double time, insurances, this, that, and the other thing, right? And so when you have a monopoly like PG&E, they're up in your business big time. In fact, when the, when the liberals decided we don't like fossil fuel, we don't like nuclear energy. We don't like hydroelectric. We like, we like solar, and we like bird blenders. But the fact is, when they took our tax money to build them, because they're not profitable, no individual would like to risk their money to lose everything. So what they did is took our tax money, gave it to business people. They put up bird blenders and solar. And then they guaranteed them an egregiously a high rate 
of pay than force PG&E to buy this energy. Why would I, if I was running a business called Lose uh, Gas and Electric, and you could buy gas and electricity from Lou, and I was looking for cheap sources of electricity and gas, and I had a real cheap source. I was buying hydroelectric. I was buying nuclear. I was doing this, and I was doing it. And the state came along and said, we don't like those, and we are going to force you, because you're a monopoly, to buy electricity from solar. And, and maybe we're, you've been paying 10 cents, let's just say 10 cents a gallon, since we know gallons. You're paying 10 cents a gallon. We're, we want you to pay 40 cents a gallon to the bird blenders and the solar. Or a dollar a gallon. So they can afford to stay in business. So what has to happen? Your rates got to go way up. And so over the years, PG&E has almost went broke just a number of years ago. And now they're, they're broke again, right? So during 2003, the electric grid of the state of California was not being managed well. And all of a sudden, there were rolling blackouts or brownouts where the power would go off in huge sections of the state of California, affecting 1.5 million, up to 1.5 million people. Now that, that almost, you could sweep out all of Northern California with that. If you get up above Sacramento, you could, I don't even know whether we got that many total people up here. And it just set people off. And then there was a, uh, around that time, just before 2003, the, CalPERS people went to the legislators and said, hey, we're making so much money that we can we can afford to raise the pension rates to 3% times the number of years you've been working. So if you work 30 years for California High Patrol, we could pay them 90% of their highest income year for the rest of their born days. And they promised that they promised the legislators that had to vote on this and the governor had to sign off on it, that it wouldn't it wouldn't cause any impact on local citizens that they could carry it off their stock um, benefits or stock profits. They had enough money that they could cover this increase and, and bless the government employees where, whereas the private people in non-government wouldn't make anything compared to that. So Gray Davis gave him the increase. So they gave him the increase and now today, the CalPERS is going broke. And all our counties are going broke. Isn't that wonderful? That's all Gray Davis, right? So Gray Davis gave that. Then at the same time, about that same time, he gave all the correctional officers in our prisons a 35% pay raise, right? He took a pension increase. I mean, he took a uh, budget in, uh, budget. Uh, bonus or uh, what do I say a black he was in the black the budget was in the black budget budget surplus and he ended up goofing around and we were in a 35 billion dollar deficit so he had a 35 billion dollar deficit he gave a 35 percent uh increase to the correctional officers they raised the pensions for all government employees right and he screwed up the electric grid then they raised the DMV taxes, the fees to re re uh, re up your car every year, and the average was like seventy to like two hundred and something dollars. So, uh, so uh, Gray Davis became the second governor 
in United States of American history. That's a mouthful, folks. To be recalled. People have been, there's been a recall attempts, but there's two people, Lynn Fraser from North Dakota in 1988 and Gray Davis, 2003. They not only, there was a recall attempt, but they were successfully removed from office. Now, what are any similarities today? One, we just had a brownout in the Yuba County foothills, and I think it affected other counties in Northern California. It's amazing to me that politicians are not saying anything about this in our local area. They're not raising a fit about it. I I am just amazed. I I know people in the foothills, they just left the foothills and came down to the valley because they had no power. They couldn't work. They couldn't recreate. They couldn't clean up the house. They they had no power. Does anyone that's lived here very long remember a time unless unless a, a bad, bad storm knocked out a transformer where we voluntarily shut off power in the state of California, the Golden State, the most prosperous, advancing, the most innovative, unbelievable state. And now we have a third world electric system. So what do we have? You choose between business A, business B, business C. Why? Because one business just performs a hell of a lot better than the others, right? Why, what, what has PG&E got to offer besides gas and electric? And if they can't deliver it, get the hell out of town, right? Give up, get out of here. Turn it over to somebody else that can give us 24 hours a day, 365 service and keep the lines clear and have some safety operations in there and get the government out of the PG&E business, the gas and electric business and let them buy power where they want to buy power. They want to get nuclear, hydroelectric, right? It's like anything the government touches goes downhill. You got to wait for a day and a half or something to get it to renew your license. Now, now we can't even. It's 2019. We had better utilities in the in the 1800s, in the 1900s, than we have now. Are you kidding me? And people are just like okay with it. It's like, is everybody just okay with everything? Everybody just okay with everything? You're never going to do anything about anything? Newsom's a part of this. You think, oh, well, Newsom, Newsom's, Newsom just started in January. He just spent eight years with Jerry Brown. He was a lieutenant governor. You don't think he has any response? You're lieutenant governor? Why have a lieutenant governor? You're paying him $180,000 a year, $200,000 a year, something like that. Why have a lieutenant governor if he isn't responsible for anything? What if he killed people? Right? We, like, shot and hung Nazis who weren't Hitler. Hitler took care of himself. But they were a part of the regime that killed 6 million people. So... We thought they were responsible somehow, even though they weren't Hitler. They said, well, we're just following orders. So now we have Gavin Newsom, eight years in San Francisco, another eight years as lieutenant governor. Before that in San Francisco, he was a supervisor, if you didn't know that. And not responsible for anything. Oh, no, no, he's not responsible. Not responsible for the debacle of PG&E. 
Are you kidding me? Not responsible for the California Public Utilities Commission. Total corrupt commission. Has nothing to do with helping the public. It's all about protecting big business. Those, do you re, you remember that, uh, you know, and I don't, I don't care. If, if you want to go have sex with the same gender, please do it and get it out of your system. It's okay with me. I, I have, it's none of my business. I'm staying in my lane. But to have PG&E take a quarter of a million dollars of our, of our ratepayer dollars and donate it against Proposition 8, which was a, an amendment to like say, we just want to make sure everybody's clear on this, that if you want to live with the, somebody of the same sex, have sex with them, pretend you're married, have a prenup agreement, what if you die, give all the stuff to him or her, fine. PG&E actually fought against marriage with our ratepayer money. Is that amazing? It's like, hey, if they're a car dealership, I don't care. I can have a choice on whether I'm going to buy their car or not, maybe. But where PG&E, you're forced to use their their services, they're a monopoly, and they take your ratepayer money, then they turn around, file bankruptcy, then they turn around, turn the power off. And our, our local governments support the idea. It's just unbelievable. Our local governments support turning off the power. It's like Tijuana. I used to do work down there. And at certain times, they did just turn the power off. And that affected your water and everything. Because you're pumping the water. You have to have a subsidiary pump or whatever. We'd, we wouldn't have water or anything down there. They just turned the power off. Same way when I was in Uganda. They just, sometimes you'd have power. Sometimes you'd have telephone. If you wanted to have a telephone at your house after when Edo, after Edi Amin, got, Edi Amin got overthrown, you'd have to call the telephone company. You'd have to buy the wire, purchase the wire yourself to run from the pole where where the power was all the way to your house. And then you had to pray that they wouldn't steal the wire and they'd actually do the job. You'd have to front all the money. It's, it's a third world. We're cre- if you think, what's socialism? I don't understand. I didn't teach me about it in school. This is what it is, folks. And you just totally you think, how did all those communists just get away with taking over the whole country? Because they're doing it just like they did right here. They don't even need to fire a shot. They, they, if, you, if you actually studied in school, which they're not teaching this because they actually are being driven by people that want to have communists. The communists said, we can't win this thing by a war. So we're going to win it without a war. By just having idiots as principals of school and teachers and professors, and we're just going to bring this thing in one step at a time. And that is, we're going to charge you 60% more for the utilities and only provide it when we feel we want to. There are certain times when you're, you're going to pay for the utilities. For instance, we have a RAM charge. It's a water rate adjustment mechanism. What that is is... Well, you, we're going to raise the rates because there's a drought, even though there's plenty of water under Marysville. And so you're on a budget. And if you break the budget in your particular house, if you go over the budget, we penalize you. But we also get a ram charge, which is because we're, you're not using enough water 
to cover the assets of us maintaining the pumps and the tanks and the lines and all that. So you're paying a penalty. You're paying for the water where we're paying the highest rates in the area, three or four times higher. Plus you're paying a penalty if you go over your budget because we're supposed to be conserving because we don't have enough water. And we're paying a ram charge, a rate uh, adjustment mechanism, water rate adjustment mechanism, W-R-A-M, ram. Because we're not selling enough water, because we're now having to not use as much water, because we're, we're letting 50% of all the water that starts up in the hills go to the ocean because of a fish. Now, that isn't socialism, folks. So you're getting penalized for using it and for not using it. And you're going to get penalized by the PG&E for using it and not using it. Now, when PG&E shuts off the power, they are not selling any power right then. That means that they got to charge you a, a, another figure, a rate, a what? it wouldn't be a water rate, but a power rate, right? I don't know what they're going to call it, a utility rate adjustment mechanism. And they're going to charge you a penalty because they couldn't, because the money they get, they got it. That's what they use to repair those lines and to run their whole system. But if they're not selling enough electricity, when they shut the electricity off to millions of people for two or three days, who do you think loses there? They got to get that money back. So you're going to pay for utilities and not get them. Is that crazy? That's socialism, folks. The, the, the brilliance and the, Amazing thing about the United States of America when it had for private enterprise, we had abundant everything. Socialism, there's shortage of everything. Capitalism, there's abundance of everything. Why do you think that people starved in China, Vietnam, Cambodia, Russia, and we had to send shipload after shipload after shipload after shipload of grain that we had enough of because we had plenty to eat, over there because they wanted to experiment with communism. That's what we're experimenting with right here in California. And you're the Guinea pig and you're paying for more. You're paying more and getting less. You're paying 60% more getting less. You're paying a dollar more a gallon for gasoline and have the crappiest roads in the state, in the United States. We're 49th or 48th out of 50. Think about it. Think about it. They, they charge you all these gas taxes and we're, we're not going to, we're too tight on money to, to use any of our budget to fix the roads, which was an absolute hundred percent lie, but you didn't do anything about it. Our, our supervisors didn't do anything about it. In fact, they supported the tax increase. The public works people argued for the tax increase. They didn't need the money. They had a surplus. But Jerry Brown said he hated the roads. He said the only way we're going to build roads is if we tax you more and then we'll take that money. And you know what they did? They put a lot of it back into parks and bike trails. They just simply lied to you. you don't, and you're not doing anything about it. We, we, well, what, what do you want us to do? I'd say, well, let's, uh, how about let's uh, recall, recall the governor and put in a conservative in there. They'll block some of these bills. And then maybe you and some of the other states – could recall some of your people, right, that are perverts down there and stealing and molesting women and uh, feeling up gals and hugging them and holding on to them. You know, I'm telling you, people, we got some real weirdos down here in Sacramento, real weirdos. So you can, you can uh, 
you can sign up and recall. Well, what if he doesn't get recalled? Well, at least we did our best. You know, when is it? Do you just do right things when you think you're going to be successful? Or then when you think, oh, this isn't going to work out. Like, I don't have enough money to buy this food, so I think I'm just going to steal it this time. Is that how you operate? Or do you just say, I'm going to do the right thing, and if it's, if you know, hopefully we'll be successful. But if it's not, then at least we know we did the right thing. Like, what in the world, what value systems do you operate by anyway? So what, so Gray Davis raised the DMV fees. Do you remember here just a year or so ago, we had SB1. They took an additional, the government took an additional $5.1 billion each year from the pockets of Californians. They, they made Gray Davis's DMV fee increase look like chump change. So same, same electrical problems. Same DMV problems, same CalPERS problems. The only the only difference is we need a charismatic candidate to replace uh, Gavin Newsom. And hopefully he's a conservative or she's a conservative, right? And that, hopefully that person will come forward. But if you want to get involved, get off your butt and like kick rear. You can contact, uh, you can go out to Elite Universal Security, 5548 Feather River Boulevard in Oliverst. There's signs outside that has a picture of the recall, and you, you can't miss it, 5548. Uh, or you can you can dial them up. No use dialing them up. Just go get the, you can go get the petitions. You can just go, we need a, a wet signature. We cannot do electronic signatures online. It needs to be a, you, you need to be a registered voter. However, you can register and then you can sign at the same time. They'll turn in your registration uh, form for you. So so there's that. So we're going to take another break. Um, let's see. The, actually, it's just a coinkadink. I'm going to play you a clip about, and it's going to tell you all about the uh, the move to recall the governor. So check it out. California struggles under the radical left-wing policies of Governor Gavin Newsom. Many residents say they've had enough. One America's Pearson Sharp explains why Californians are taking steps to have Newsom recalled from office. California Governor Gavin Newsom's disastrous policies are leaving many Californians with a serious case of buyer's remorse. The Golden State's latest governor is quickly making a name for himself as an enemy of businesses and residents and an ally of illegal aliens and criminals. Once he became governor, Gavin rejected massive pushback from voters and doubled down on his leftist immigration policies, declaring that California was officially a sanctuary state. But the governor took his sanctuary policy a step further, and when President Trump sent troops down to protect California's border, Gavin pulled them away and put them on other duties. Beginning this summer, Gavin generously expanded California's health care program to cover 100,000 illegal aliens at a cost of over $100 million to taxpayers. 
and over 70% of these aliens will end up on welfare. Currently, Californians spend more than $30 billion a year just supporting illegal aliens. But while Gavin is spending billions on illegals, one-third of all the people on welfare in the entire United States are in California. And one out of four people in the state is below the poverty line. And in another blow that hits struggling residents hardest, a new tax on gas and vehicle registration puts California's gas a full dollar higher than the national average, taking $5.4 billion out of hardworking families' pocketbooks every year. But Gavin already has a proven track record of ignoring the will of the voters. While California's residents voted to not only support the death penalty, but speed it up, Gavin dismissed their vote with an executive order and instead granted a reprieve to 737 gang members, mass murderers, rapists, and other violent criminals. As a result, a growing number of Californians are pushing to have the governor recalled. Aaron Cruz, CEO of RAN Action Fund and the lead proponent for recalling Gavin Newsom, has launched a petition to recall the governor, which has officially been approved by the California Secretary of State. For residents interested in signing the petition, Cruz urges them to visit the website www.recallgavinnow.com. Once there, any registered voter can print out a copy of the petition on an 8.5 by 14-inch legal paper, fill out all sections on the form, mail it to the address on your screen, or leave it at an approved drop-off location. Cruz says that while the window to recall the governor is now open, Californians will have to act fast. The deadline to collect at least 1.5 million signatures is February 15th of next year. After the deadline, the signatures will be certified, an election will be held, and if a new candidate is elected, Newsom will be forced to resign. With less than a year under his belt as California's newest governor, Gavin Newsom is creating a legacy of putting his own agenda ahead of the state and federal laws, as well as California's voters. That's why Californians are finally sending him a message loud and clear. It's time to get out. Pearson Sharp, One America News. Welcome back. Um, yeah, I wanted to mention, uh, I was looking at my, I'm on Facebook. Every week I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to end this Facebook thing. <laughs> I'm just like right on the precipice. Like, oh, I hate this. But there are some good things to it, and I find some really cool things to, to add to the radio show, stuff that I didn't know was going on or something says something unique, and I wouldn't have ever seen it. And so on my Facebook is Greenitz Construction, who uh, Greenitz, Dave Greenitz, uh, is one of our sponsors. And uh, Dave posted another bathroom that was just amazing. And I thought, oh, my goodness. Honestly, if you have the money and you want to stay in your home instead of buying another home around here and you want to upgrade it, Man, I I just think, you know, it, it's sad to me when people choose a contractor and they don't know who, they've never met them before. 
They don't know any of their work. They just so-and-so recommended them, right? I see things, people move to town. Does anybody recommend a dentist? Does anybody do this? Does anybody do that? I think, man, you're going to spend five, ten, twenty, thirty, four thousand dollars on a remodel of your kitchen or bath or bathrooms or your entryway or put on a deck and you don't really have it dialed in. I mean, it's like once you do it, it's it's done, right? And you spent the money. Hopefully you don't get in a lawsuit. But to um but I just want to recommend to you Dave Green it's construction because they are uh, some guys that get it done and get it done right. And it's, it's just not him and his his workers that work for him, but all the subs that just do superb work. And I know a few of those guys, and whether it's tile or paint or lighting, creative lighting, it's just amazing what, what people are doing with their houses today. So uh, you can you can give him a shout out, um, really easy. You can go on his website at Greenitz Construction, G R E E N, like green the color E T Z Construction dot com. Uh, or you could go to Dave Greenitz Construction Facebook, and you can just check out their work before and after, or just after. And I mean, sometimes even the before things are looking. The before kitchen is looking better than my kitchen. Then they take it up to a new kitchen. I think, oh, my goodness, that's amazing right there. So um, you can give uh, Dave a call or you can email him off those sites. And or you could you could text him like 530-682-9602, 530-682-9602. Or you can go on like the, the website, greenitzconstruction.com and and you can send an email and, and off that, and you can uh, just fill in the blanks, tell them what, what you're interested in, kitchens or whatever. And uh, he'll help you. It's it's pretty amazing. But it's, it's I, honestly, if I was, I, I have them repair my house, but we're not doing a whole house overhaul. He just fixes everything that falls apart. I have an old house. Houses fall apart, right? Just like my body falls apart. I, I have professionals surrounding me nowadays whether it's my car or my house or whatever I need, uh, legal, medical, whatever. Got professionals. Got a lot of professionals helping you hold it together. So 530-682-9602, check it out, and uh, they, will, they will make you a beautiful house. Come on, man, and get it done right, and you will love it. You won't have any regrets. You'll think, oh, that was money well spent. That gives us another 20, 30 years to hang around here. And when we sell it, people are going to go, oh, wow, yeah, I want to buy this house. All right. So what we have going on here in the United States, as I mentioned earlier, is there's a spirit of stupid on the entire United States. And um, so I wrote a couple articles. One is, uh, actually, I don't think I've sent these off yet. Uh, I call it a sucker born every minute. And uh, I started off by talking about the fact that, that you know, the, the news media is so corrupt. Uh, and they like to report and take shots at religious groups, Christians and other cults, because uh, they think they're stupid and weak-minded people. And so particularly if people make a prediction about when Jesus is going to return, they they make a big deal about that and then when it doesn't happen they just they mock them right and uh it's it's not a wise thing to predict anyway but 
people, sometimes religious people get lathered up and say stupid stuff. But the Jehovah Witnesses for this article, I was looking at, uh, it's a cult. And they have predicted Armageddon, which is mentioned in the Bible. They they predicted it would happen in 1914. When that didn't happen, they changed to 1918. When that didn't happen, they changed to 20. When that didn't happen, they changed to 25. When that didn't happen, they changed to 1941. When that didn't happen, they changed to 1975. When that didn't happen, they changed to 1994. When that didn't happen, they changed to 1997. Well, religious groups don't have a corner on stupid. So John Nolte, or John Nolte, however you want to say it, with Breitbart News, put together 41 doomsday proclamations made over the last 50 years about climate change. And not one of them came to pass. Not one. Now, you'd think one would. Why? Why, why, can't, why can't they just get one? So let me just give you a rundown. From 1967 to 1970, there were a lot of forecasts of doom and gloom. One was there would be a horrible famine to occur in the, in, by 1975 with hundreds of millions perishing. That was made by a Stanford University professor who still is lauded as a brilliant man. The guy's an idiot. All the natural resources would be consumed. The oils, one, one theme from the 1960s forward is we're running out of oil. We're always running out of oil. It seems like somebody doesn't want us to use the oil. But God gave us the oil, right? If you believe that God created the earth. So why would he create the oil if we can't use it? We use the water. Why can't we use the oil? All the natural resources would be consumed. The oil supply would be gone in 10 years. And when that didn't happen, they changed the doomsday date to 20 years. Then they said 1990. Then they said 2000. Then they said 2010. Oops, 2020. No more oil. They said overpopulation would consume and destroy the planet Earth. Water rationing would begin in 1975. You remember when that happened? That was awful. Uh, food rationing would begin in 1980. That was hard. All of these predictions were false. Urbanites, people living in the cities, would need gas masks. You remember those gas masks on TV? By 1985. And nitrogen buildup in the soil would ruin all the agriculture land. Pollution would kill all the fish, and there would... Uh, there are, will, uh, will, Remember those killer bees that were moving up from somewhere? And going to destroy everything, eat everything, eat all the, uh, the nice bees. The killer bees are going to eat the peaceful bees. It didn't happen. Then there was a prediction of the Ice Age, a new Ice Age, beginning in 2000. When that didn't happen, now they've re- relined that to 2020. Now they've redu- reduced it to 2030. Now they've reset it to 2070. You just have to believe and have faith, baby. The 1970s. Top scientists and professors reassured about the coming ice age. Famines are imminent. Acid rain will kill all the life in the lakes. The ozone depletion may kill us all. A repeated theme was we're running out of oil for decade after decade after decade. The 1980s climate gurus saw regional droughts coming and record high temperatures in Washington, D.C. They never happened. The Maldives Islands would be submerged by 1918. They're still out there. Um... Nations would be destroyed by high sea levels. Did you notice the Obamas just bought a 15 or $25 million estate on the ocean? 
So obviously he got convinced that it's not going to happen, even though he was going to reduce the tide. Do you remember that? Obama was so bright that he's going to reduce the level of the oceans. Now, that's a, that's an engineering feat right there. I don't know what he graduated in because we never got to see his grades. New York City's West Side Highway was to be underwater by 2019. Now, I don't see any news on this, but maybe they just didn't want to bring up that they got flooded over there on the East Side or West Side Highway. Oh, yes, and uh, we're running out of oil. Predictions picked up from 2000 to 2010. Uh, it said children, it's, it, we're soon going to see a day when children will no longer what, know what snow is. They'll hear their parents say, man, you remember that year when there was so much snow? They'll say, oh, what's that word, snow? What is snow? No snow in, in the entire world. For a kid to not know what snow is, that means snow had to be eliminated everywhere. It's like the flood. You know, when they were all in the ark, they weren't in the ark very long, but what if they were in there for a generation? Kids would say, some of the parents would say, oh, you remember back in those days when we went up on that on the land? They'd say, what's land? What's snow? There will be a famine in 10 years, according to the gurus, if we don't stop. Oh, it was conditional. We could have, we could have avoided it if we'd stop eating meat, fish, and dairy. Just shoot me, why don't you, right? There'll be a famine in 10 years. Have we, you just got to stop eating meat, fish, and dairy. I'm sure we'll be all right if we stop eating that. The Arctic will be ice-free, right? We can go up there and, and do bikinis up there in 2008-13 or 2014. Or when that didn't happen, then we, we said, maybe it's 18. We, get, we just did the math wrong. And Britain will be Siberia by 2024. Now, we haven't got there yet, so there's still possibility. And oil is almost gone. If false prophets were being shot, we could reduce all this nonsense. And it would help the population control people. If every time a climate guy made a prediction and it didn't come to pass and we shot him in the temple and gave him a good Christian burial, then we could actually cut down on some of the population and the stupid talk. How about that? I think I could shoot one of them. Manhattan will be underwater by 2015. Now, I, I don't think that happened. Was I don't know whether anybody listens from Manhattan back there, but I don't. I didn't see anything on the news of like people wearing galoshes. And by the way, we're still running out of oil. They say some seemed like people want to run out of oil. It's like it's like the media saying, "I think we're going to have a recession. I think we're going to have a recession. I think the stock market's going to crash." Please, 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 please. So these were the storylines in 2006. Manhattan underwater, running out of oil. There's going to be super. Remember the, the Katrina? And after that, they said, that's it. That's it. That is it. This is the beginning of super hurricanes. We're going to have one of these. There's going to be series one after another after another, and it is going to destroy the earth. And it's all about global warming, and it's all the Republicans' fault. Right? Remember that? 2006, no super hurricanes. <clears throat> How long, how does, you know, the question is, how long does the insanity go for before you just reject it? How often do you ask somebody out on a date when you go pick her up? She's not there at the house. She went out with somebody else. You do that 41 times in a row, same woman. It's stupid, folks. It is stupid. And we're letting these people spend our billions on climate stuff. And every time, you know, somebody told me, 
oh, well, the reason PG&E, the reason PG&E is cutting off the electricity is because of global warming. I thought, oh, my God, oh, my God, that person's got syphilis and it's affected their brain. It's affected their brain. Global warming. Now, we can't have electricity in Browns Valley and Dobbins and everything because of global warming. Really? The weather's like beautiful. We now don't, we are, we now are so incompetent. We're such nimbuses in the United States, in California, that we cannot figure out how to deliver electricity when the wind blows. Pretty soon it's going to say, don't fart because electricity might go off. Oh, don't fart because that's going to contribute to global warming and PG&E will have to turn off the electricity. Please don't fart. Don't feed those animals anything that'll cause them to fart because it will then affect global warming and and then we're going to be in trouble. We are going to be in trouble. Trouble, trouble, trouble. Oh my goodness. You remember the Stanford University professor Paul Ehrlich and his wife Anne? He claimed that in 1968, just in it's too late. He said it's already too late. There'll be hundreds of millions of people dying. He wrote a book called The Population Bomb. This guy, this guy is heralded as a brilliant person. This guy is absolutely off his rocker. He should just been taken in a back room, a rubber room, slapped around, cut his forehead open, and give look in there for something nasty to take out to see if we can bring him back to his senses because this guy went totally nuts. And then Barack Obama hired one of his associates to be the czar of science. Why didn't he hire like Mr. Rogers or something? Just like unbelievable. Unbelievable. He became a celebrity because of his brilliant nonsense. This is really sad. These young kids, can you imagine? This is child abuse. Sending a young girl, flying her over to the United Nations, and she goes over there and has a little hissy fit right here's this one girl <clears throat> this was off a uh, a film that the i think the australians did about kids beliefs about global warming she says hannah says she's 10 this is what we're teaching kids in school this is such a shame that we actually are paying to end up with this kind of nonsense some cows are farting and that's putting carbon into the atmosphere and that's bad because the sunlight's going to go out and can never come back. I've been wondering. I, you know, I get up in the morning and I'm wondering when I get my coffee, I think, is it? Is the sun going to go out? Is it going to be over? You know, this is what godlessness does when they teach, you teach kids that they came from an ape and that, that somehow we can ruin the whole earth. You know, it's interesting. The Bible says that God created the sun and earth, and, and this is the way it's going to be. You're going to have seasons, and it's going to go on this way until he decides it's going to end. Not because not some Californian person farted too much or a bunch of cows farted. This is, this is what, when you teach people they evolved from slime plus time, this is what you get is lame brains. They call it lame brain. Hold that thought. It's intellectual sewage is what it is. It's intellectual sewage. To have a nine-year-old boy proclaim, to, 
to have a nine. I want you to think about this. What wisdom have you heard lately from a nine-year-old? He, he comes out and he says, I'm concerned about the plastic straws. And you know something? We're in America. We're using 500 million plastic straws each day. That's a half a billion straws each day, folks. And the contribution of plastic straws to the entire debacle of global warming is like 0.0025%. I mean, it's negligible. But somebody saw a straw sticking in a turtle's nose. And, of course, we got to kill a million human beings if that happens. Like, that's the only way out. If we see a straw or you open up a, a whale's stomach and there's like a McDonald's package in there, hey, somebody's got to die. We've got to take care of somebody for that. So where did he get that figure? He just concocted that figure, man. And so then we get Hollywood and the media stating that. How many you look on YouTube and find out how many times you can see that restated by politicians? So they ban it in some cities, right? And now we got this Kamala Harris who spread her legs to get to the top, right? And she wants, she's claiming as the next president of the United States, what she's going to do and help me sleep good at night is she's going to ban all, all plastic straws. It's going to be over. But Kamala doesn't have any problem with chopping up dead babies and selling the parts. Now, I'm wondering with the straws thing, I, I started thinking, do Americans use more condoms or do we use more straws? Because I was wondering how a condom broke down. What if we found a condoms, a used condom in the nose of a turtle? Would we have to kill a bunch of people or cause them to? In other words, we've been, we've been, we, we don't even sell, they sell condoms, but we give away the majority of condoms. You know that? Oh, you can go to any health department, get all the condoms. You can get flavored condoms, colored condoms, condoms that actually play a song when you screw somebody. It's unbelievable. You get female condoms, men condoms. You can get dental dams. You can, I mean, they can help you out there. At the, We're paying for the health department. And then they'll tell you to wear sunglasses when the sun's out. And they'll tell you to wear a hat when it gets really hot. And they'll tell you, hey, do you know that you have to drink extra water when it's 105 out? And then they'll tell you that we're going to have to turn your electricity off. So please uh, work barbecue figure out a way to barbecue to feed yourself Uh, we know you can't figure that out on your own i'll tell you what we could figure out how to do on our own we could have a revolution i could figure out how to have a revolution when we could invite some other electric company in here to like say hey it would you do you think it would be possible just in your wildest dreams to have an electric company a gas company that could provide a good rate a fair rate and actually provide a consistent supply without her turning it off ever, unless we had a major storm and it blew out a line or something? You think you could do that? I think we could probably find somebody to do that. We could probably find somebody to do that. If PG&E can't provide electricity and gas on a regular basis to our houses, if the north wind blows, we got to... I, I think they did it for decades, they, I, I used to be on a consumer committee for PG&E, and 
There was never out any outages, volunteer outages to like, oh my God, we're having a global warming storm. The north wind's going to blow for three days. We got to turn it off in Browns Valley. I, educated people are coming out of the hills. College educated people. Oh, well, we, oh yeah, well, no power today. Just like in Tijuana, just like in Kampala, Uganda. <laughs> it's like unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. We're, we're getting ready to go to our final uh, clip. So I got a little clip by Randy Thomason with SaveCalifornia.com. And, uh, and then a fun little clip. And then we'll be back and we're going to wrap this thing up for, for this, uh, this podcast number 26. Well, I'll be damned. Here comes your ghost again. But that's not unusual. It's just that the moon is full and you happen to call. And here I sit and on the telephone. Hearing Who are these people? I'm Randy Thomason with your SaveCalifornia.com Minute. Harming parental rights, the ruling Democrats in Sacramento this year have pushed eliminating the rights of parents to seek out pediatricians to provide their at-risk children with vaccine exemptions, eliminating the right of parents to surgically correct their newborn baby's physical abnormalities, and forcing foster parents to use girls' names, she and her, for sexually confused biological boys and vice versa for sexually confused biological girls. Harming jobs, Gavin Newsom and the Democrats are forcing many independent contractors to become employees. This tramples your liberty, makes government bigger, and hurts people financially. And Newsom has just released 21 violent criminals from prison, including a convicted double murderer. This is what you get with Gavin Newsom and the Democrats. SaveCalifornia.com, fighting the good fight for your values in California. I don't like climbing. I don't like climbing into an SUV. You know that final step up? I'm always like, is this worth it? Why can't you have a normal car? What, are we going on a safari? I better see a damn elephant if I'm climbing into your gas guzzler. But once you get in an SUV, you're always like, oh, yeah. Let's invade Iraq. Out of my way. Because everyone turns into a jerk and an SUV, like, I don't need a blinker. <laughs> Remember 15 years ago when they were like, stop buying SUVs, everyone. They're wasteful and bad for the environment. And we were like, okay, I'd like to buy an SUV. <laughs> no, I have a reason. I, I don't care. <laughs> I don't own an SUV. I don't even own a car because I'm a good person. No, I live in New York City, and I have five kids, so I just have them carry me around. <laughs> I know nothing about cars. I come from a car family. My dad loved cars. My brothers love cars. They talk about cars. They go to car shows. My brothers pay to look at cars they will never drive. And I thought strip clubs were weird. Most of the accessories are wasted on I me. Mean, I've never used cruise control. The heated seats, I always feel like I just wet myself. <laughs> oh, this is nice. Can we swing by the emergency room? <laughs> I think this is also a symptom of a stroke. 
When I go home to Indiana, I always rent a car. My brother Mitch is always like, what kind of car are you renting? I'm like, it's blue. Is that four or six cylinders? Blue. I do know that the most manly form of transportation is a pickup truck, because my brother Mike has a pickup truck, and he's a real man. And at this point, pickup truck commercials give me anxiety. They're like, you can tow one ton, you can tow two tons, you can tow an aircraft carrier. Why? Why would you need that? I only see it going to Cracker Barrel. People that drive pickups, they want to be associated with the work ethic. And based on that, I should drive a bread truck. <laughs> I was with my brother Mike at a plant nursery, and I was like, hey, if I buy a small tree, can I put it in the back of your truck? And he's like, no, you'll get the bed dirty. And I realized something. Everyone I know who owns a pickup truck is not picking anything up. <laughs> it's like walking around with a big empty suitcase. Are you going on a trip? No, but I'm the type of guy who would. Ram tough. Ram tough. last segment here uh thank you for listening and hanging with us hope you enjoyed what we've done so far so we got about 20 minutes to go here and uh i'm an over preparer so <clears throat> i'd like to keep my anxiety down so i always end up with more to talk about than uh it has nothing to do with how much news there is but i just am an over preparer so at the last deal i'm not like talking trash to you i'm just uh i always pick and choose what i think is the most fun stuff to talk about. And uh, so let me just say to you this, that the, the uh, whether you're talking about 500 million straws a day or plastic bags you now, no longer can get from a grocery store without paying for it, America is not the premier plastic polluter or the premier global warmer in the world. They just aren't. And you just may think that by listening to the media. 90% of the planet's plastic waste comes from a few rivers in and around Asia and Africa. In descending order of gross polluters are China, which we don't want to touch because they're communists and we love the communists. India, Indonesia, the Philippines, Vietnam. I've been to all these countries. I didn't know that until I just read that. China, India, Indonesia, Philippines, Vietnam, Thailand, Cambodia, all those countries. And any other developing countries over there, not here, those are the gross polluters, folks. We pollute very, very a minuscule compared to these folks. Of the top 10 rivers that produce the most pollutants, eight of them, this is in the, in the world, the world. Of the top 10 rivers that pollute, eight of them are in Asia, and the other two are in Africa, the Nile and the Niger. Not Niger, it's Niger, 
N-I-G-E-R. They're in Africa. In Asia, the Yangtze, Yangtze River is in China, and the Ganges is in India. Those two rivers are gnarly, big daddy, funky polluters. I think America contributes less than 1% of the plastic to the oceans. But the way the media portrays it, every time you have a plastic bottle in your hand, you think, oh, my God, or a plastic bag. I don't know. I, don't, I, I feel bad about doing this. Right? It's just ridiculous to think that we're having any impact if we didn't recycle any of this plastic. In fact, we can't even figure out what to do with all the plastic and the aluminum and stuff anymore. The whole recycling industry in the United States is totally screwed up. We used to send it to China. We used to dump it in China, and we, and it was, we didn't keep it clean and separated properly. So the Chinese finally said, screw you people, keep your stuff. We, we, we're not going to clean up your problems over here. We couldn't even get it straight over here to just send them plastic. Like, this is plastic. This container is all plastic. And then we'd have some glass in there, some stupid stuff. It was full of dirt or something. Just like, come on, man. Can't anybody do anything right in government anymore? The 10 top-ranked polluter rivers in the world transport 88 to 95% of the global load of pollutants into the sea, according to Christian Schmidt, doctor of hydro hydrogeologists with Germans Germany's Heimholtz Center for Environmental Research. Why are they sending all those pollutants? Because they have massive amounts of population located, like billions of people located along those big rivers. And they just throw their stuff right out in the river. Or these inlets into the river. They just throw it in there. They're not on board with this. So that little girl that got all snippy at the United Nations needs to go over there and talk to the Politburo of China. Or go, why don't you go up on the Yangtze River or the Ganges and scream at everybody and pee your pants. Have a period over there or something. Just freak out. It's crazy. All right. Forget that. Forget this. I'm going on the next thing. There's some, <clears throat> there's some. I just find some interesting stuff that interests me. It may not be interest you, but here's the cool thing about America. It may not be long this way, but in podcasts, you can just go to, you can give up and switch to brand X, right? And go have a good old time uh, listening to somebody else instead of old Lou. I don't want to waste your time. Life is short. Uh, so let me just scan down here. And uh, see if I can. Oh, I want to talk about Chick-fil-A. Man, I wish we had a Chick-fil-A. I don't eat a lot of fast food. But if we had Chick-fil-A, I'm going to have to pray and ask God. Maybe God would give us a Chick-fil-A in our town. Because Chick-fil-A is, is a good organization. And a few years ago, the owner of Chick-fil-A he didn't molest a child. He didn't sell heroin to a 10-year-old. Uh, he didn't rape a new married woman or a virgin. He simply donated some money to support traditional marriage, and that is taboo. You could screw your mother, your sister, your niece, and your daddy and be in less trouble than 
Dan Cathy was when he said he really thought traditional marriage was an important institution. That was it. That was it. Ever since then, he is a hateful, he's, he's tightwad, hateful. His food gives people tomain poisoning. He's a nasty bad guy. Of course, the universities, they did the righteous thing. They called a University of Kansas a faculty. All oh, the faculty, the most bright people in our country, they called for a ban on Chick-fil-A from the campus. Called the chain a bastion of bigotry. Why? Because if you think marriage is a good idea between a guy and a gal, well, my God, you're a bigot. Obviously, you're a bigot. You're like a loser. You're a racist bigot. Last week, the faculty and students at Purdue University called for a similar ban on the chain. They're bigots. Crush them. We just, we need to get to a place in this country where we can take a bulldozer and run them over like they do in China in the churches. Just push them over. And the people in there, God bless them. Despite the protests, though, Chick-fil-A has experienced massive growth since 2011. A new report from the Lafayette Journal and Courier claims that the chain has doubled its size since 2011, and they did it without any homosexuals eating chicken. Now, hold that thought. Them homosexuals, they said, I'm not going to eat no chicken from Chick-fil-A. I'll eat it from Carl's Jr. And they don't, they don't like marriage, maybe. Doubled the sales since 2011, reaching $10.5 billion in revenue, adding 700 new locations. They ain't going to add no locations on college campuses because they're a bastion of bigotry. Now, Chick-fil-A is the third largest fast food chain, only after Starbucks and Mickey D's. There are only 2,400 Chick-fil-A restaurants compared to more than 14,000 Starbucks. In 2018 survey, you know, Starbucks, they like hate marriage. And they, they endorse people shooting drugs and pooping on sidewalks. In 2018 survey, American teenagers ranked the chicken-based franchise as their favorite. I can't believe it. These socialist teenagers are actually eating Chick-fil-A. An analyst at Goldman Sachs revealed that Chick-fil-A is the fastest-growing fast food brand in America. Our brand survey shows that Chick-fil-A has had the most brand momentum. Chick-fil-A's success is surprising to analysts. Why would it be so surprising? Because they are so sucked up into the, the uh, politically correct nonsense. Unlike other chains, they said, we can't believe how they have so, so much success, and they don't even stay open seven days a week. Because Dan Cathy says, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to have faith in Christ. But we want to give you an opportunity to take a day off. Spend it with your family. Maybe go worship Jesus. Get your Jesus thing on. And he's done that since 1946, and they think, oh, well, we're just, you know, we're just not. So who was it? Some chicken outfit that said, if you want to eat chicken on Sunday, come on over and eat at our place. I don't know. There was a, some competitor that just was a chick. Was it Taco Bell? I can't remember now. Anyway, Chick-fil-A website claims that they close on Sunday to allow their employees to rest and worship. 
So, interesting. We have all these new businesses starting not in Marysville because we can't seem to get our trip straight. We can't even get the the lake of Lake Ellis cleaned up. We're going to make an aquarium. Do you, can you imagine this? If we took every lake in the United States and we put aerators under it and we ran compressors all the way around it and made bubbles come up out of it like an aquarium, do you think other countries would think we lost our mind? Yep, that's what would happen. But we got people that are going down. They're circling the drain over there at the city council, and they're going to be putting aerators and compressors all the way around the Ellis Lake, and then we can put paint graffiti on the compressors as they run as you walk around you want to go oh let's go walk around ellis lake all night poor craig leary that lives over there next to ellis lake he lived there all his life as i can remember and compressors running bubbling things going up and it ain't going to fix the lake because because aquariums all the aquariums i saw always get polluted the compressor turns off when it should, and it gets really hot. The, the aerator breaks. you got to send a diver down to fix it. And oh, then people are, I thought we spent 80, 800 or a million dollars on the lake to fix the deal, and now it's all green and slimy. I can't swim in it. My kid fell in it and got a disease. What happened? Oh, well, uh, <clears throat> well, we just, uh, well, you know, the lake broke down, and we just don't have enough money to fix it right now. We will. Like, we didn't even have enough money to run one pump. And they just let the lake go have slick on the top. You ever seen the slick on the top of the lake? That stuff looks gnarly. If we could sell that, we could make a lot of money. But now, instead of running fresh, free, crystal clear snow water from the ice-cold Yuba River through it, with just the price of the electricity... That is too simple and too straightforward and not government-oriented enough. In fact, I just heard the other day, we paid EKI, the ripoff engineers from down in Roseville, we paid them $20,000 payment for work on the Gavin Park. Does anybody over at Gavin Park, anybody at Gavin Park, can they find it? Is there a pump? Anybody done any work? Is there any stakes in the ground? Is there any like spray, you know, stuff on the ground where they're going to do anything? Nothing yet. Nothing yet over there. Well, we spent $20,000. Now I could have gone over there with Charlie Matthews. We could have put a pump down and hooked up all the irrigation for under $7,000, but we paid EKI 20,000 and we don't have anything. It's kind of like that what was that program that we had a few years ago in Marysville under Walter Munchkeimer? Back to something. I can't even remember what it was. No, we spent a couple hundred thousand and we were going to like bounce back. It was called bounce back. And we, all we did was we bounced a three ring binder onto the shelves over there and spent a couple hundred thousand dollars. And now they're hiring another consultant to do something again. When is it that we hire an administrator that actually can do something instead of hiring consultants between Robert Bendorf at the county and Marty Brown at the city? These people can't do much themselves. That's the problem I have. We need to find somebody to run the county that doesn't have to hire all these people to come in and do it. And, and it costs 
$400,000 to put a $7,000 pump in one park when we could have used $400,000 to put pumps in all parks, have them all green, and probably pay for somebody outside the city to mow them and fertilize them. In fact, I might even took it on myself in my old age. Just a little retirement income. Put a little chump change in my pocket. Before we close, we got a few minutes to go today, but I don't want to forget my friend uh, who I have worked with for 40 years, Ted Holmes, and he and his wife Mary are salt-of-the-earth people. I love them. They're good people. They've given their lives to help people that have struggled. And uh, they have been all over the world. They've worked in the Congo. They've worked in Papua New Guinea. They worked in Honduras. They worked at Horsley's Green, England. They've worked in Mexico for years. They moved on a, a Native American reservation and cared for some people after the missionaries died down there or got cancer or something. They went down there. They've They've just been, let's see, I'm trying to think of some other, the, let's see, the Congo, Kenya, Cuba. It's unbelievable. Great people. It's been a privilege to know them. Ted runs some great businesses. He always hires people that tries to find good people, but he gives people a hand that have struggled. And he runs a, a business that's called a liftoff floor removal but the one i'm talking about he also runs homes construction he's fixed my house before and and uh he's helped me on we we went and did a big old project on the Hmong church over here in yuba city on b street and i said ted we we, we roofed that whole building over there 215 squares put new downspouts new gutters put air conditioning in there they didn't have air conditioning that old 1990s building and they were among people are such wonderful people to work with. And they said, one day I was over there eating lunch. They said, Lou, come on over because they know I like Hmong food. And I was sitting there and they said, we're going to redo this floor. The floor was all buckling up, had asbestos tile down there, all funky stuff. And so they said, we got this ceramic tile, but we need to get this tile up. And I said, oh, how are you going to do it? Oh, we're just going to bring shovels in here. We're just going to beat on it after church Sunday. So I got Ted over there and his crew from liftoff. And they came over, and we cleaned that up. And after we, we got it looking so nice that they said, well, instead of putting ceramic tile down, can you buff it and put a color on it and make it look like Sam's Club or something, all shiny and everything? We said, yeah, we can do that. So we did that. looked really good. So uh, anyway, Ted, has he started a business right at the start of the recession. What a bad time to start a business. The problem is he wasn't psychic or he wasn't a prophet. He's a good carpenter, good mechanic a good good guy but he wasn't a psychic or a prophet and i've often said if i was one i'd make some money on that 900 line telling people what their future was going to look like anyway he started the plumbing doctor and he survived the crash not many not a lot of people did he survived the crash so now he runs a plumbing doctor in Yuba and Sutter County. So if you've got water running towards you when it should be away from you or it runs away from you when it should be coming at you then call the plumbing doctor at 530-671-9111. Just think like 911, but go 9111. Trouble. Water trouble. Sewage trouble. They just love it. They stay awake at night thinking, oh, we want to go out and fix somebody's sewage problem. We just can't wait to somebody have a problem. Call us. We'll fix it. Middle of the night, they don't care. 
I like I like operations. That's why I run the trauma intervention organization. I like organizations that are 24 hours a day, kick butt, man. Go out there and get it. 20 minutes, we're there. Boom. 911 calls us. We go out there and help them. We want to help police and fire. Ted Holmes with the plumbing doctor, they get it on. 530-671-9111. There's a lot of competitors. They'll come out. They'll just give you a quote. They aren't going to work by the hour. They'll give you a quote on it, and that's what they'll stick with, and they'll fix your problem. So give them a call. Tell them, oh, Lou, you heard about Lou on No Hostages Radio. And uh, the other thing, we just got a minute left. I'll just mention we're getting ready to start the Trauma Intervention Program annual fundraising effort. And if if you ever heard about us, we go out on trauma intervention calls in Yuba and Sutter counties. We do about... 35 to 40 calls a month and we've been doing it for 25 years done over 11,000 responses we have not taken a nickel from your tax dollars we operate all with volunteers and donations from kind-hearted people helping them in the most difficult hour of their life so if you want to help us you can send a check to tip at p.o box 645 marysville tip t-i-p Box 645, Marysville, 95901. I'm very tight with the money. I'm squinchy. I only, I only use that money to train people, brief emergency responders, take care of the volunteers, and help with anything that <clears throat> uh, survivors or co-victims need. We don't charge anybody for any of our services. Never have, never will. It's tough enough to lose somebody you love. That's tough. So we are there just to help and be kind and help them through the most difficult hours of their life. That's what we do. That's our specialty. So in, anyway, if you ever need anything, you ever end up in a jam and you need some trauma help, you can call us at 530-673-9300. 530-673-9300. You can go to our website at yubasuttertip.org. YubaSutterTip.org, and we'll help you. We have literature. We have your kids get roughed up. Dad dies. Grandpa dies. Mom dies. The kids need help. You need help. How to talk to the kids. We'll help you. No problem. Just call us up. In fact, if you're in another county, you're in another state, I've had calls from other counties. Somebody stabbed somebody. They died. Da-da-da-da. We don't know what to do. Can you help us? I said, yeah, we'll help you. We can help you from long distances now because of technology. Easy. So if you're listening from another state and you don't know what to do, you need some help, you need some guidance, you can call us, 530-673-9300. If you want to help us, you got money and you wonder what's a good nonprofit to give to, that most of our money will go to the end result, almost every nickel, just a little bit. We don't even have an office. Somebody says, Lou, we want to come by your office. I said, we don't have an office. It's too expensive and we don't want to go sit in an office. We're too busy to sit in an office. We're working. So we don't pay for office. We don't have that kind of overhead. We don't have utility bills. We just all work, we share the administrative low work out of our homes. Lean and mean, as they call it. So tip, P.O. Box 645, you want to send us your, some of your inheritance, go for it. We'll spend it wisely. Help everybody. Now, I tell people somebody dies and they'll say, Lou, we don't know what to do with our loved one. I said, well, you could. Sometimes people like to donate their body to science and help the next person, right? 
Sometimes in America, we have so much money at the end, we don't know what to do with it. I'm telling you what to do with it. You can give some to tip. Box 645 Marysville, 95901. Marysville, California. If you're out there in outer Slombodia, you don't know what, where Marysville is. There's several Marysvilles, by the way, around the United States. So we're going to call it a day. Thank you for listening. We hope you have a good week. And uh, if you run into somebody and you're saying, I wonder what's up with that dude. They may be an angel and you don't know it. So treat him nice. Buy him a burger or something. All right. So we'll uh, catch you in a week. Again, if you want to go to our website, if you don't know about it, it's nohostagesradio.com. Right. Maybe you stumbled onto us through a podcast source, but you can read some of our articles and and all that kind of stuff. You want to connect with me, 530-713-1838, text, call, whatever. Or you can email me at lou at nohostagesradio.com. Have a good day. God bless everybody. Bye-bye. Sugar to kiss.